Hello and welcome to the MF Gamers Podcast. My name's Simon and this is episode 10 of 20 Questions where I bring in a surprise guest each episode and ask them 20 gaming related questions. Question number one, who are you? Give us a bit of background on your username. Okay, I am a different class or Lee, depending on how you know me. I was originally known on Xbox Live as Video Game Guy. That was very generic. Well, it's a Simpsons reference. I think it's a fine, good... It wasn't already taken, so I like to think of it as a pretty original, actually. So what I used to do in the mid-2000s is I used to go out to the nightclubs and stuff and get too drunk, and then I would come back home because I've not succeeded in my mission in the nightclubs, and I would play video games online, specifically Gears of War. Right. Kind of what happened one night in particular was uh, I kind of got in a bit of a trash-talking sort of fight with someone else. Okay. Basically, I was sending them messages just basically saying how I'm better than them. The specific term, which I felt like was winding up at the time, saying, I'm just a different class to you. Because I was drunk and had too much money, I thought it would be funny to actually change my gamer tag to different class and continue to send him messages huh. <laughs> <laughs> that is the pettiest fucking smack talk it i is. think i've ever heard i know it's why i kind of don't really like admitting where the name came from <laughs> is this the first time you've ever talked about it as well i feel like i've mentioned it somewhere else i didn't know this at all like this is all oh, new really? to me yeah <laughs> Yeah, so that's how it came about. But whenever someone asks me now, like at my last job, it was a, a weird coincidence. Like we were talking about Pulp and Jarvis Cocker, and then because we both gamed as well, he was like, "Oh, so is that what your gamer tag references to a different class?" I'm like, you know, because of the the Pulp album. It's just an happy accident. <laughs> Rather than explain that petty, stupid fucking thing, I was like, <laughs> "Yeah, it's a it's, it's a Pulp reference." It's like, nah. The fucking liquor were in control when that decision happened. <laughs> yeah, it was pettiness and liquor was the actual <laughs> reason for it. But if anyone asks, yeah, oh yeah, I'm just cool. It's you know, I'm I'm all nineties. It's a it's a pool reference. I've learnt some already, and we've only just done question one. Question two, right? Let's settle this once and for all. Where should the X button be on a controller? Because every single controller that you use has it in a different fucking place. So where should it be? Okay, this is a very loaded question. This is why I'm asking them. So for Nintendo, it's up top. For Microsoft, Mm -hmm. it's on the left. And for PlayStation, it's down below. Right, so where should the X be? Up top, on the left, or down below? Up top. Top. Nintendo's where? Yeah. In fact, no, they fucking did it first, didn't they? They did it way before everyone else with SNES, so... Yeah, fuck everyone else. Yeah. I kind of get kind of freaked out when people sort of go on about how they find Nintendo's ways of doing things weird. It's like, oh, I guess you're a little baby who first started gaming on the Xbox. Maybe the Dreamcast did it that way as well. I'm I'm struggling to remember actually what the actual button layout on the Dreamcast was. It might have been the same as the Xbox. Yep, the Dreamcast controller uses the exact same layout as the Xbox controller. Question three, name your favourite game from age under 10 and then another game for each decade of your life. 10 and under is a, a difficult one to pick for me because I didn't really game a whole lot under 10. I might have been about 9 when I got the Mega Drive because I had the Spectrum and the Master System but right. I, I didn't love any of those. I just sometimes play a game on them. I guess I was kind of casual. It was after 10 that I became a bit of a gamer. 
Right. So the answer is for the first time going to be you don't have one. I, I guess it is. Because the only thing I can think of, I used to play a Thunderbirds game a lot on the Spectrum. Yeah, the Thunderbirds game on Spectrum is going to be the, your default game because you didn't play anything else. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and uh, you, it was just a maze thing and the Thunderbird 1 could move blue blocks and Thunderbird 2 could move green blocks. Right. And it was just a block-based puzzle game. <laughs> so that's all it was? It was just a block-based puzzle game that just happened to have a Thunderbird skin? Yeah. <laughs> It's no wonder you didn't get into fucking gaming until your <laughs> teens. Okay, let's move on from that shit. Game of your teens. This is where it gets really hard because this encompasses the games that I played from like 10 to 20. That is really hard. Everyone gets asked the same question, so yeah, you're going to have to deal with it. I'm going to have to go Tomb Raider. Right, okay. Any particular reason? I actually think there's not been a 3D puzzle platformer like that even now. Did you play Tomb Raider? Yeah, I played uh, Tomb Raiders up to the shitty one on PlayStation 2 and that's when I fell out of love with them. I think the first one is the better game out of the PlayStation 1 simply because it's more puzzle based. It's not based around shitty shooting. The way that they handle that in those games is just really, really poor but the puzzling works because you can sort of take your time with it and it works within the constraints of the game can you think of like as a good kind of 3d level design as the i think it's the level in egypt where you have to go into all the or is it greece yeah because it was it was was, midas it's based on this yeah midas and the sword no 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 that no before that there was this whole part where you go in a place that's like the sword of damocles there's a bit with a thor hammer i don't know it might be just a bit of a mix but it's a very vertical level, and, and it's got a kind of level design I've just not seen since. Like, I don't think I've navigated a level in a game quite like I've navigated that one. Mm. And so that's why I kind of think, like, man, there's still really lessons to be learned in some of these older games. I feel like in the refinement that kind of games go, it, it's that uh, they miss things. They, they miss the, the weirdness. They miss sort of specific experiences. Yeah, no, I really like uh, the original Tomb Raider. What else do you want me to talk about it? I don't. I want you to move on to the game of your 20s. Battlefield Bad Company 2 was in my 20s. It was my late 20s. Bad Company 2 getting pulled up again. Yeah, exactly. I mean, well, well, it's because a bunch of us, we all played it together. So it's going to be, uh, it's going to mean something to a lot of us. Because, you know, it was a very specific time where we were all together on a single format, on a single game. And it was also a really good game to crowd around because it was so, you know, it had sort of nice, really just good focus level design. It had good map design. It was pretty much balanced aside from a few things that could have been altered. The, the helicopter's been a bit OP, but apart from that, it was really, really but tight. But they were only OP if you could get someone to fly them because they weren't easy to fly. I thought they were alright to fly myself. I want the best at them, but I, I could do them. I remember playing so much with randos where everyone would run to the helicopter and immediately plough it into the ground. 
Oh, yeah. That's just basically Battlefield in a nutshell, though. It's fucking either using helicopters as taxis <laughs> to get on the high perch or just stacking it into fucking ground first opportunity to get. I could keep it in the air, but I wasn't. I wouldn't say I was uh, brilliant with it. It was just a really nice, heavy-feeling shooter, and, like, it was just a... Plus the whole sort of social aspect of it around mm. the forum and us. And it was a, a rare game that we all sort of focused around, and it, mm. it just made it all such a important part it, of uh, it was a complete package wasn't it on several aspects yeah so i guess for my 20s i got i got to say that <laughs> even yeah I'll, yeah i'm happy to say that it's battlefield by Gunner 2 It'd be interesting to see if anyone else picks that one up because um, it were generation defining. I don't know because I don't really see it talked about in the same regards elsewhere outside of our circle. I played it quite late on, and, and it was I continued to play it even after everyone sort of dumped mm. it, and I still found a number of people still playing it. Actually, no, I, I would bump into the same people over and over again, actually, because I remember this is where I would continually find myself going against someone with the game tag Joanna Lumley, <laughs> which made me laugh every time. <laughs> <laughs> you killed Joanna Lumley. <laughs> One for Hendo's Darkest Dungeon when she eventually goes. <laughs> yeah. Oh, don't, don't say that now. She's going to be dead tomorrow now you said that. <laughs> <laughs> that would be scary if by the time this podcast goes out if she's fucking croaked we are the bringers of death we are so what about the game of your 30s well I'm 34 now so I've got 4 years and you know what I'm going to go actually quite recent I'm going to say Monster Hunter World okay that's I wasn't expecting that at all I really really like that game I got into Monster Hunter well it was it was with 4 and I might have been in my 30s then as well but I you know, it was with Monster Hunter World. Monster Hunter World that cemented it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I obviously really, I really like four. I really like Generations. But yeah, it was four. It was, I mean, World. It was like this is a series I really like, and I'm gonna buy a whole lot more of them now. Mm. It moved goalposts, didn't it? Monster Hunter World. Yeah. So I really like Monster Hunter because it's kind of it's it's sort of a boss rush. It's sort of this simple kind of you know you've got yourself and you've got this enemy that is you know much tougher than you, and you've got to sort of figure out a way of dealing with it and using your own skills and acknowledging your class type that you've picked and the kind of options you have to try and figure out how to best defeat this massive beast that is much bigger than you. That is always satisfying, and the, but that is just the general overall Monster Hunter concept. Mm. But inside of Monster Hunter World, it, they, they just everything's much nicer. The the way that the tracking works, the way that the tells work as well. Even though it's conceptually the same as the older games, the tells and the poison statuses and stuff. Do you know when the drooling poison and stuff looks so much nicer? It's easier to see what's going on. It's all in high definition as well, which just makes it look amazing. You know, it always had those things, but yeah, yeah, it is that kind of thing putting it in high definition and on a console on your TV. And mm. not only that, but like the whole idea of taking away the element of having it segmented areas where you have to load between. And, and I actually didn't mind that too much because if you look in some of the older games, like it meant that you could get maybe a bit more varied environment 
environments. Mm. You know, you could you could just go down a cliff and then. Well, yeah, there's got to be a gradient, aren't there, between a jungle and a volcano? Whereas the old one yeah. is just like, it's a jungle and it's a volcano. It's like just <laughs> yeah, no blending between them. Yeah, so you come out of a loading screen and uh, you see this. Yeah, you see this completely new vista that maybe if you were first visiting the area, you wouldn't expect. It's blossomed into this beautiful thing from the older games, which are, I think they're functionally fantastic, but. It just needs that little bit of a push, that little bit more pizzazz, and yeah. Monster Hunter World let that flourish. Yeah, it was always just a quality of life thing because because I often think even when I when you're in just sort of deep combat with a with a monster, it still felt like the DS games to me. Mm. But it is everything outside of that that makes it a bit more accessible. Question four: Which game would you use to convince a non-gamer to take up the hobby? This non-gamer, are they... Because this is what I would ask. I was like, what is their interest? They don't have any interest. They're just, hey, you're trying to get them into games. What do you What do you suggest? I'm not a big fan of this idea of giving a non-gamer simple games because it's kind of patronising in a way because I, I also think if you give them a game in a subject that they care about, they will learn more complex mechanics if they're engaged. You know what I mean? Yeah, if they're engaged, they're more likely to see it through. Yeah, so, like, if if I came across someone as a non-gamer, but they said, oh, but they love Star Trek. Right. And I'd maybe give them a copy of Mass Effect 2. It's like, oh, oh, Mass Effect. And hopefully, since it is a little bit conversation-based, I mean, there's some quite hard action in it if you've not played the game before. But yeah, I, I think that's how I'd do it personally. I'd find out what their interest is and tell them about a decent game that, um, you know, clicks with that. Mm. I, I can't think of just a general person who doesn't play video games I, I don't really have an answer i'd have to like I, I think it's important to know who they actually are the thing is like you said like giving them simple games some simple games can be the best like tetris yeah sure i wouldn't use it to get people into games though mm. I, I wouldn't i mean it is yeah it is very much a, a perfect game but i i wouldn't use it as an example to get people into games as a whole i know i'm me and, and I guess you as well, we, we like Tetris because we very much appreciate the design of it and the purity of it and all that kind of thing. But I think if you're introducing someone into games now, you have to do it in a way that um, appeals to their tendencies. I get what you mean. It, it's to be relevant to today's standards. Yeah, and, and also their own tastes as well, you know. Mm. So yeah, thanks for breaking my question, cunt. <laughs> yeah, I'm here to do that. <laughs> Question five. Which game series do you wish you liked more than you currently do? It's a very simple one for me. It's the Souls games. Oh, oh really? Do you want to elaborate on that? Very much like the idea of the Souls games. I like reading about them. I love the lore and everything. I just do not like playing them. Is there anything particular that sticks out that really grinds you? That's the thing. I'm not that sure. I just don't have the patience, I guess, for the idea of having a... When you fuck up, you got to you got to sort of go back and do the whole thing again. I don't know why I'm not okay doing it with Souls games, because I do it with other types of games all the mm. time. This might be your issue as well, but the thing with me was, I think game designers come so far and we've been mollycoddled with checkpoints and stuff. So when I'm going to a fight, say like in Dark Souls 1, mm. the Gargoyles for instance, when you used to fucking make that journey from the fire to the actual boss fight itself 
and you just you have to fucking run past everything or there's some things that you have to stop and fight and it's just I can't be fucking bothered doing this like I'm spending more time commuting than I am actually in the boss fight yeah and I, I sort of felt like that when I were playing like there's been certain bosses on Bloodborne where it's been like fuck me I'm just running to my death over and over again it's very I don't want to say demoralising because sometimes you have a good fight sometimes you don't but there's times where it's just like it's the journey between the fire or the lamp in Bloodborne's case and the boss that that gets super fucking frustrating and having to pull the fucking levers for the you know, the lifts and the shortcuts and stuff it's very very frustrating yeah um, and also on top of that I, I'm not that sure about the RPG mechanics because I'm often not sure how I should be like am I just grinding like an idiot getting overpowered and still Mm. losing or am I not powerful enough in Souls games I find that hard to gauge I just find a lot of confusion and frustration even after I've played them a while Mm. there's just something about the way that they are paced and laid out that just doesn't click and I just yeah I'm I'm a bit confused by them Mm. and I wish I liked them because they're cool games Question number six, are there any parts of gaming that need to be expanded on? Personally, for me, I really like good feeling action games. Like Bayonetta? Yeah, like they're good feeling action games with tight feeling mechanics and that kind of thing. And like games do that now, but um, I don't know, I'm, I still feel like I'm looking for something. My other podcast would have gone out by now and I talked a bit about Gunstar Heroes. I talk about how I would like games to have a cool, good feeling shoot mechanic and also be a good action game as well in, in terms of sort of melee combat to incorporate both those things. And, and there I said mm. Vanquish is probably the closest thing that we have now to that. But I think I want more than that. I think I want 3D action game like Gunstar Heroes, like the ridiculousness and the varied gameplay mechanics that that game has in a 3D environment and just somehow, again, to somehow make that work. What do you think the obstructions are that are stopping that from happening? I actually don't know. Because if you think of Gunstar Heroes, right, and it's side-on perspective, okay, you can shoot, you can slide along the floor, you can jump, you can fly kick people, you can uh, grab hold of a ledge and flip up and hit the person above you. You know, there's you can take an enemy and throw it. That might be difficult in terms of perspective and what buttons to apply that to and it's going to be difficult to make that into a 3d game but i keep hoping that someone will figure it out somehow (laughs) i guess i guess that's it i don't have the answers because i'm not a game designer but i I keep hoping that someone out there will figure it out yeah i mean they got close with vanquish Mm. like you said i sort of agree with you like that game like that just the old bombastic nature of it and how ridiculous it is but also how incredibly tight it is on the design front we just don't have enough of that stuff and it's a shame really question seven what do you think's the worst practice in the gaming industry currently it's the obvious answer really isn't it there's a lot of bad things though in the gaming industry currently there is but uh, i i think the manipulation around microtransactions is 
easily my least favorite thing because what i hate about it most is i do still kind of fall for it myself Mm. it's gambling it just keeps making you come back and just for some stupid digital stuff have you heard of a whiskey company called Chevers Regal? No. Uh, Chevers Regal were a, a company that sold whiskey, and basically they were having poor sales, despite the whiskey being quite good in terms of whiskey. So they did something extraordinary. They raised the price of the whiskey, so they weren't selling many. So they banged the price up, and when I say they banged the price up, they banged the price up to like double of like the next whiskey, so it was like twice as much as you know the competitor, right? And it started selling, like, they couldn't keep up with production. It sold so many because the price, people associated with it with quality. I look at loot boxes and people go, oh, well, it's fine, like, the Jodie's things are worth it. And it's like, they're not. It's just colours. It's just a skin. It's just a voice line or whatever. Like, it's not, this is fucking rubbish. Like, people have been told these things have got value. Like, you look at the, um, Fortnite sort of gets a free pass because it's free to play. But it's like eight quid for a dance. That just blows my mind that someone is willing to pay that because it's extortion for what it is. And it's that, that rarity, that prestige owning that dance or the like the whiskey you know saying oh i bought this whiskey or i have some kanye west trainers or whatever that sort of powers that machine yeah it's it's really really fucking shit i mean it's the obvious sort of psychological thing you know you're playing online and you see someone else running around in a cool skin and it just sort Mm. of makes you want it yourself and it's like oh maybe i'll get it quicker if i just maybe put a few quid in I think that the most annoying thing as well is people go, it's just cosmetic. It don't affect gameplay. It's like, well, I can't play in a game where everyone's wearing the standard skins. Yeah. Because if that were the case, I'd be doing that. I don't want to see the other skins. I just want to see the the base levels of the game. I want to see good, nice design graphically on the characters or whatever I'm playing. And I want everything to be uniform. So when you start seeing these fucking silly skins with, like, people Joe running around as chefs when they're meant to be soldiers, or people wearing, like, fucking, I don't know, like, Joe rubber duck rings around them when it's meant mm. to be just a someone that's... Oh, it just, it does my fucking head in that. I, I hate it. Well, I don't mind that kind of stuff if it's, like, treated as a trophy. Like, if they've achieved some kind of thing that unlocked it, mm. then that's cool you know yeah but when it's like you've either got very lucky in a random drop or you you know you bought a bunch of stuff to get that then it kind of just makes you think like oh i guess i'm gonna have to buy these loot boxes as well i think the loot box in a way is sort of benign but the way that they balance them with the the junk that they put in them and the way that they spread them out when you earn them and the way that you can pay for them is predatory it's all designed to push you into pressing that purchase button. Mm. For instance, I tell you a good way of doing the loot box thing. Do you remember back in the um, uh, Super Smash Bros where you had the Gachapon machine? Yeah. Where you could get the trophies. You could buy the trophies with the coins. Just do it like that. Or the way that um, Rocket League did, where if you finish a match, you get a fucking item. Just it, mm. it, there's a reward always there, but it's not. It's not forcing you to play another. Because that that does my fucking head in. Like just in leveling in general, where it's like I'll just play another match because I'm about to level up, and then I don't enjoy it because I'm staying up past you know my quarter of playtime. Yeah. For having fun. Yeah, that, that's the whole Overwatch thing that I think a lot of mm. us. Did. It snowballs because you'll get another person that's like, oh, I just need one more match 
and yeah. I've got my loot box, so you stay on even more, and it's just, it just drives you to hate the game. Yeah, especially if it isn't going well, and you just sort of grind into... Uh... Oh my fucking god, yeah. Just bollocks to it. Mm-hmm. If it were just, you get an item after every match, or whatever, or you get, or it, it comes from a skill that you do, so, I don't know, say like, Farah a skin at an event, and... Instead of just getting it through a loot box randomly, you get it by getting four kills by using her ult or something, you know, mm. while the event's on. You're getting the skins for the characters that you're actually fucking playing instead of just randomly. Like, I, I remember I got one for May, like at Christmas, and it's like, well, I don't fucking play May. I'm glad I got it, but yeah, it's just... Yeah, that's always bollocks. how it happens. Uh, I remember Hendor really, really wanting the witch Halloween mm, skin yeah. for uh, for Mercy, and I think I got it like very early on, and I don't really use Mercy that much. They could have made it get like, I don't know, 50,000 heal points over the course of the thing, and then you get Witch Mercy. Just, that's it, you've earned it. You're sort of making it so that people have to play the characters to get them instead They're of just... still playing the game. Yeah, you're still playing the game, but you're working towards it, and it's, you actually, there's some skill involved in it. It's not just, just mm-hmm. keep playing and, and then hope to God that the loot box drops it. Randomness is good, I think. Randomness is... It can be kind of exciting, yeah. It's exciting, but in that convention that they're holding it, it just feels really, really shitty, because you get your hopes up and it's like, Nah. Question eight. Is there anything in games that makes you cringe or be disappointed in the inclusion of such things? I've been thinking about this one a lot, actually. There's definitely things I find cringy, but it's not just games, though. So is it? do you want something that is just game-specific? Because I'm not that bothered about kind of boobs in games when they're just sort of like like for example there's um you know those dead or alive beach volleyball games yeah they are like the sports illustrated swimsuit edition of video games it is what it is and it's hard to get kind of upset about it i do get kind of offered when they put weirdly male gazy sexually specific stuff in more mainstream games for example mass effect 2 there's a conversation you have with miranda you know and it's part of the game you know she's was created to be you know like the perfect female specimen and there's a cut scene in it that focuses on her ass and her curves and stuff. I mean, as me, I didn't really mind that, but I, I kind of think about it sometimes. I'm like, right, okay, Bioware games do have quite a broad audience. Any woman gamer out there tends that I've come across tends to like Bioware games. What you're saying is that there's no like male equivalent of that sort of direction where it's on a dude's ass. By that point, you've basically romanced her, haven't you? Uh, no, no. I think the cutscene is... It's just a mandatory cutscene. You can't avoid it. It's the cutscene that plays before her loyalty mission, which I don't right. think you have to romance her. It's just a loyalty mission. It's a while since I played, so I, I, can't, I can't remember that much. Yeah, but I think the whole point of the game is to get everyone... Lo- how do you make everyone survive is you get everyone loyal to you. Mm. So I don't think you necessarily have to romance her. It's... Uh, it introduces her loyalty mission. I think it's that cutscene. I wish that stuff wasn't in games. In fact, if anything, there's a lot of mainstream games that do better than other kind of... I think they certainly probably do better than movies at this point in time. Mainstream movies, at least. Uh, Maybe not music so much, but um, it's still kind of frustrating seeing those things. Like you said, you're not buying into it in a Bioware game, are you? But in Dead or Alive, you're buying the game for that whole reason. That's its reason to exist, so you know what you're getting into. 
It's like buying a porno mag and then complaining that there's tits and fanny in it. But like you might go to see like, oh, there's this big budget science fiction movie. I think I might go to it. And then there's just sort of leery, weird ass shots and stuff. Yeah, really out <laughs> yeah. of place. Yeah. So yeah, I, I just think that I wish there was less of that kind of stuff in, in mainstream games. Question nine. Which secret is your favourite secret you've ever found in a game? In Final Fantasy VII, Yuffie and Vincent were kind of secret optional characters in the game. And getting Vincent is actually pretty difficult. You've got to go through this this weird puzzle that isn't fantastically translated as well. There's like four weird-ass puzzles. Like, one of them is it describes how many steps in a certain direction you should go, but, like, the way the animation happens, it doesn't quite sync up. <laughs> so it, uh, it's really hard to sort of work out. When you think about it, that's a big fucking secret as well. A character. Yeah. That you can carry through to Endgame with storylines and stuff. Yeah, I, I mean, well, to be honest, Yuffie and Vincent unlocking them very much was about their story and their side story. But once you ha- did actually have them on your team, it was uh, it's only in your part weird. Yeah, in your party, it was sort of just sort of, you, you maybe just get the odd op- optional dialogue or something you know that they didn't contribute massively to the main story right but but they were kind of interesting to have as a collection of stats as a fire mm. you know <laughs> not so much yuffie yuffie is really easy to get but uh vincent yeah i i think that's probably my favorite one that i've unlocked question 10 name your favorite poster on mf gamers oh I hate this question. I know other people have said it, but how can I just say it when you're just there at the other end of it? It's like, you're my favourite. Unless I was in the company of someone else on the forum, then they're my favourite. Because I'm weak like that. Are you going to fucking brown nose, are you? Yeah. Yeah, I'm an absolute, just, yeah, total brown nose. That's what I am. Well, I'll take it. It's like, what? Is this the first nomination you've got as well? Has anyone else? No, no, it's the second one. Oh, right. It's the second one. Oh, well. Yeah, I have actually had people who come on, well, yeah, you were my favourite, but... And then just fucking (laughs) gone off and, like, slagged me off and... Fucking hell. (laughs) My emotions. Ah! (laughs) Question 11. Name a game you wish you were good at, but aren't. So, I put this one in because you can play fighting games. Yeah. You're our resident fighting game player. (laughs) So, it's going to be interesting to see what you pick because most people pick fighting games. Yeah, a lot of people have picked fighting games. Mm. For me, it's the complete opposite to what the kind of thing other people say. The games I wish I was better at is point-and-click adventure games. Wow, the most sedentary games going. Yeah, I just can't sync up with the mentality and the, the sort of yeah the sort of mentality they require i i just lose patience and don't understand the pace like i like I, should i be staying at this screen so long am i meant to, like there's just there's just an absolute overwhelming sense of indecision that i get while playing them that i just do not enjoy at all but the thing is i do like stories so I know that I, would, if I could get into them, I'd really enjoy that aspect of them. But just the gameplay that they are, I, I can't get into them, and that, and it's really frustrating to me. I can, I can do the fighting games that everyone else kind of wishes that they could play, but I, I can't do the the, the point like adventure games, and I wish I could. 
Question 12. What's your favourite quality of life design choice in current video gaming? Quick saves are useful on, on handhelds and the way you can just stop and carry on what you're doing. On Nintendo Switch, you can just fuck it right, bang, off you go. Yeah. Or job, resume you whenever I'm ready. That's a really nice quality of life thing to have. Just the ability to just, no matter how far along, no matter what I'm doing, I can just put it in sleep mode, bang, mm. and continue later. That is just the super most convenient thing for me. Because even when I'm not that far away from my charger, I, I, I still like to play it in handheld mode while I'm just mm. on my couch and stuff. The old standby thing, it was really cool on um, PS Vita and yeah. 3DS. And yeah. the D- DS ones as well, where you just like, I've had enough, or oh, I need to make a phone call, or I need to go check on my cooking or whatever. Just close the lid, it's saved. You know, you don't need to worry about it. It's an unconventional quality of life thing, but like it's more physical. It manifests in a way that's not part of the game, it's just part of the hardware. But I think it's really relevant, because sometimes you just need to fucking put a game down. Yeah. Allowing you to do that is really, really beneficial. Question 13. Name a game that you were initially wrong about. The stance change can go either way. I think when Bioshock came out, it was just this good kind of survival game and and everything with this story that was, you know, hugely important at the time. I think maybe just a year or two afterwards, I went back to it and played it and just got massively frustrated by it. Just really started to find the... uh... I think you might have found what I found in it when I played it the first time. (laughs) Yeah, I, I just really started to find it as a shooter quite unsatisfying and mm. um, it's a PC game that's sort of been crowbarred into using the controller so the shooting's really unsatisfying and twitchy it's far too quick to be playing on a controller I found it had all these mechanics about traps and stuff and mm. I remember having a lot of fights with the big daddies on a harder difficulty because I, I, when I went back to it I went back to it on a harder difficulty and just how ineffective it all was and just how it just seemed to be like a war of attrition rather than like a this idea of laying out a load of traps and doing some maybe a little bit of skillful shooting to take them down it was just get decked and hope that you have enough portions to survive it mm. but the shooting didn't feel that good and the kind of story loses its luster a lot on the uh, second player yeah it's one of those games that it's really really like a lot of people have fond memories of it because of the would you kindly stuff mm. but after that it turns to fucking shit it just it don't make any sense either as well like i've gone back and analyzed it because i thought maybe i'm wrong maybe i've you know i'm missing something here and i've gone back and analyzed it and it's just like yeah this it don't none of it fucking holds water after the old you know reveal it just turns into a fucking boring revenge stories yeah i mean it's just a bunch of kind of i mean it's about this place where everyone you know kind of crazy academics were allowed to run crazy with their ideas and is kind of about the result of that and i don't think it does it in a good going thinking about it now especially in today's climate it it feels really disingenuous because you know Things are much worse, the fact that, that we don't listen to the academics anymore. But that's just me. That's, that's my take on all this. What's the quote? We've had enough for experts. Yeah. Well, that's yeah. it. We've had enough for experts. The British public have had enough of experts. <laughs> that, 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 apparently that's the case. Oh, fuck's sake. To be honest, though, if we did listen to experts, we'd all be shooting fucking bees out of his hands now. Because that's what happens, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> 
I think I'd prefer that, to be honest. Listen to experts shoot fucking bees out your hand. Shoot bees out your hands in underwater utopias. Yeah, I think I'd say Bioshock. I don't want to slag on Bioshock. I, I do think it's... It's an important game for its time. It's not as good as a lot of people remember it being. Question 14. Pinpoint a moment where gaming changed forever. I think Lara Croft was definitely something. She wasn't a character... She wasn't like Mario or Sonic where she... It was a, a kid's design, you know. She was she was on men's magazines. She was advertising Lucasaid. I don't know. that. I think along with the PlayStation generally... And I think that's why a lot of people, you know, put Lara Croft and PlayStation together a lot. And and yeah, I don't know. I think it just in terms of culture, how games were observed and how they were marketed. And I know that that's all sort of cynical stuff, but I think, it, you know, how, how it kind of brings games across to the larger culture is, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I, th- I think having her as a poster child. Yeah, she wore the... Sonic and Mario of the next episode. Yeah. In, in ways that, yeah, like Crash Bandicoot and Spyro the Dragon and uh, like Nina Williams and Hayachi and you had these faces of that generation in a way that Ratchet and Clank and Jack and Daxter were faces of you know, the next generation. I don't know if it was just maybe where I was, but I really feel like like Master Chief or something was more the, the mm. face of that. Yeah, well, it's not just... I don't think it's um, exclusive to a couple of characters. Like I said, it's Uncharted, it's Master Chief, it's Marcus Phoenix and what have you. Like, there's a, It's multifaceted. Yeah. Lara Croft is like the 90s version. Yeah, I feel like she had a broader appeal mm. than like the likes of Crash Bandicoot and Spyro. I just feel like that was a kind of relevant time. You know, you'd watch TV shows and mm. like I remember watching an episode of Spaced, and he even they were playing. I think it was Tomb Raider three on that, and it, it's just like there's that yeah that classic line: "You're up early, <laughs> no, I'm not. I've just not been to bed." Yeah. <laughs> Question 15. I have been practicing. Give me your best impression of your favourite game character. I kind of want to just do Snake, you know, because that's one I like doing. Do it. <sighs> Metal Gear. <laughs> you sound like Grover from Sesame Street. <laughs> <laughs> no. It's Solid oh, Snake. Yeah, people, yeah, I. Oh, that, that was pitiful, man. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. Oh, and I'll make a film myself all the time. I'll, I'll, t- I'll try something else. No, that's going in now. No, you get oh, one fine, shot. Fine, you <laughs> put put them all in. I don't care. Uh, okay, <laughs> <clears throat> I'll try another one. Cheer up! The cavalry's here. <laughs> oh, another Overwatch one. God, to be honest, I mean Overwatch is like infinitely quotable. You could have so many out of that. I thought you'd have gone for Dad actually. Dad seventy six. Well, I guess he's just like Snake, really, isn't he? That's the sort of thing he says again. I've forgotten. I mean, it's been like two years since I've played that game. Yeah, he goes, I've got you in my sights. All right, okay, hold on. Get off my lawn. I've got you in my sights. (laughs) Fuck it, I'm just going to end up fucking cutting most of this out. (laughs) Whatever. (laughs) Okay, 
Question 16. What's your biggest gaming achievement? Sonic 3 and Knuckles. You get your Sonic and Knuckles, you put Sonic 3 on top, and you go through both games back-to-back properly. You have to get the Chaos Emeralds, but then after you've got all the Chaos Emeralds, you get all the Master Emeralds, and then once you've done that, you unlock the proper final level. And uh, I was quite young when I did that, and it took me a long time, a lot of playthroughs, but I eventually did it, and it was one of the most satisfying gaming things I've ever done. That's not what I was expecting. At all. What were you expecting? I were expecting you to say God Hand. That is also another one. I think you're one of the few people I know that's finished God Hand. Yeah, no, that is definitely another one. But I think since it was since I was youngish and with the Sonic thing and I've not That would a bigger mountain for your gaming skills then. Yeah, whereas when God Hand that was uh I kind of did it in between other games and it, I, I am I have done it and I'm very much aware of that I've done it but when it comes to sort of the big prideful moments it's maybe not as high as you might think yeah I have finished God Hand <laughs> alright fucking big bollocks question 17 name a bit of game design that impressed you when you first saw it in God Hand you could totally from the ground up build up your combos so you went through the game there was like i don't know like 50 or 60 singular moves you could do and then uh you could you know pick a chain of like six or seven moves to to like build up a combo as well as a few other special moves i really like the idea of just building a brawler character customize actual moves rather than you know just like what they look like are they stats you know you're actually building up their actual moves and and the properties and the timings that each individual hit has and I, I really like that about God Hand so yeah mm. I think that's definitely up there as one of the yeah a game design thing that I'm pretty impressed with even now yeah it, it's weird that no one really latched onto that whole like bespoke combo mm. player manufacturing sort of thing because it was a really good idea I think the thing is it might be unbalanced but in a game like God Hand it works because the game just gets gradually more and more difficult as you're fucking playing it Yeah. so it's mitigating any loophole you might have found by making you find better combos to combat that if you know what I mean it's kind of like a Souls game in, in the fact that um, a lot you know a lot of people just exploit the fuck out of it in some of the bosses and it's like well this game is brutal as fuck so why should I feel bad about exploiting certain stuff and yeah I feel like it is probably possible to find a, a kind of stack of moves that uh, breaks the game a bit I don't know, I don't think it ever really did though in God Hand but I suppose it might be easy to slip into the uh, like making it unbalanced but mm. you know um but but still uh, it's still something i would really like to see more uh, especially there seems to be a, quite a few um melee combat kind of basically not shooting games are, around are coming out now you know it could be uh, should be a mechanic worth revisiting Question 18. Can you remember a cheat code from a game you played? What were the game, what were the input, and what did the cheat do? The only one I kind of remember is, I think it's one that's already said, but I've got a slight variation on it. Uh, this Sonic the Hedgehog. Uh, so up, down, left, right, and start. That was your level select. But if you went up, C, down, C, left, C, right, C, and start, that put you in the debug mode. I used to uh, like playing Sonic on the debug mode. Basically, you you could uh, change Sonic into any enemy or environmental piece in the game and just create more of them. 
and uh, I used to quite like setting up silly little obstacles for myself that were just ridiculous right. and try and get through them. Or I'll just spam lots of those uh, robot fishes and just get a constant combo of them and get lots of points. I, despite knowing that cheat, I've never actually used it myself. I didn't have a Sega when I was a kid, but my cousin had a Mega Drive. Well, two of my cousins had Mega Drive. It was known to be a bit of a fibber. Right. Well, my little cousin, and they were like, yeah, this is a cheat. One's the up, down, left, right, A and start one. Mm. And the other one's the up, C, down, C, left, C, right, C. And he used to say, oh, it's up, C, down, C, left, C, right, C. That's a cheat. And it's like, we could never get it to work. For the longest time, I just thought, yeah, he's, he's fucking full of shit, my cousin. <laughs> like, he's full of shit until the internet happened and it's like oh yeah this is actually a cheat it's like oh I am so sorry like that's actually <laughs> your legitimate thing yeah yeah it's still full of shit but oh, I bet it was in that instance yeah we're actually right we were just fucking idiots and didn't know how to do it right I don't know if it had the same input on Sonic 2 actually but I do remember being able to get the debug mode on uh, Sonic 2 as well and I used to do this thing you would get all the emeralds get Super Sonic so while you were playing with Sonic and Tails, what you could do is you could spawn the little item boxes from the multiplayer mode. I don't know if you remember Sonic 2's multiplayer mode, but it, there was... Yeah, the racing between Sonic and Tails. Yeah, and there was boxes where you would hit them and they would swap positions of Sonic and Tails. I don't remember that. Oh, really? Oh, I remember that. I played quite a lot of Sonic 2 multiplayer. And basically, you could put them in single-player mode. So if you were in supersonic mode through the single-player and you hit one of those... You could place down one of those uh, item boxes from the multiplayer. You could turn tails into uh, Super Tails. Oh, really? Okay. You couldn't jump as high as Supersonic, but he was still invincible. He could still run really fast, and he had this really weird orangey glow around him. Super Tails was a cool little trick that only a few of us experienced. Question 19. Where do you think gaming will go over the next few years and what will be your part in it? I'm honestly, I don't know until it's here. And, and when it's here, I'll figure out whether I want to be part of it. I mean, what, what's the kind of future things we've got? Well, like, like game streaming. I, I don't think we'll have that for a while. We just don't have the technology or, or, the, or the connections here to do it well. Or at least I don't. But what's the other potential digital i'm guessing we're already heading towards that pretty much already in that a lot of my games are digital especially smaller games i, I would buy more digital games if they were better priced mm. I, and i know why they're not priced because they're still competing with the brick and mortar and blah 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 you know that's why they're still high they need to stop fucking about with digital prices they're ridiculous i think the only time when they're gonna go down is when like brick and mortar is just gone Oh, I wish they'd hurry up and fucking die. <laughs> Just fucking, those fucking, you walk through and you, the, the smell of pungent sweat hits you and it's like, why did I come in here? Some fucking guy jumps on you and asks if you're doing all right. It's like, yeah. well, I was until I made the mistake of coming in here. I've not actually bought a game from a brick and mortar for ages now. You know, I like having a fucking game star on the high street, but what, they're just I do, shit. but not, that, not the way that they do it now. Yeah, yeah the way that they do it now is just, like, so... It, uh, the thing is, I'd, I'd probably buy from brick and mortar stores if they were a lot nicer, but the way that they are with the fucking heavy selling... Mm. is it just puts me off like I don't and, and asking me to pre-order shit as well and it's like have you got any pre-orders nah are you sure <laughs> this comes out this comes out this mate I just fucking told you no 
I know what I've come in for. Let me do it. I understand that you're trying to make money, but you're being obnoxious as fuck by trying to hard sell every fucking last thing in this. Like, I tell you what it reminds me of. Going into game now is like going into W. H. Smith's, where you go to buy a magazine and they try and sell you a fucking Terry's chocolate orange at counter, <laughs> but it'll be Pokemon cards or some other fucking bullshit that's just like, why the fuck would I... I don't need that. I play video games. This is just bullshit. Stop trying to fucking sell me junk. Yeah. Use your fucking common sense. You are alienating your consumer base by acting like you are and they're just completely oblivious to the fact that they're behaving the way they are and they're pushing people away. People are just like, you know what? I'm going to fucking go to Amazon or Play.com or whoever, like Smith Toys or... Because they don't want to fucking deal with that. That'll be the death of them. You know, it is because they don't apparently don't make much money off the games themselves. That's why they have to sell, like, second-hand games and junk because there's a higher profit margin on that stuff. Oh, yeah, I get that. Kind of reminds me as someone who... You know, and not, I've, I've worked in a cinema and I've been told to push the fuck out of selling popcorn to people and stuff because we didn't actually make that much money off the tickets themselves it was you know the money was made in concessions and food and stuff yeah I I guess it's a a similar thing there and yeah it's annoying and bullshit and yeah the the economics needs fucking sorted out just from the ground up I mean I've got no answers it's just sort it out yeah sort it out I'm fed up of it (laughs) sort it out or disappear (laughs) yeah choose one (laughs) question 20 your fuck marry kill question Okay. Okay, so based on your previous answers, your fuck, marry, kill options are Gunstar Heroes, the original Tomb Raider, and Sonic 3, with Knuckles, because I'm nice like that. (laughs) Off you go. This is horrible. (laughs) I'm going to fuck Gunstar Heroes, because it's just so playful. They know all the moves, they've got all the positions, they've got the variety for Gunstar Heroes. It leaves Sonic 3 and Tomb Raider for the marry and kill spots. Which way around is it going to be? I'm going to marry Tomb Raider because it's Oh, just, I see your angle, Leah. I'm a simple guy. I'm going to have to marry my Lara and kill Sonic. Kill Sonic. I, yeah. And Knuckles. And Knuckles. Yeah, leave them both <laughs> in the 90s where they belong. Oh, dear me. The thing is, this is what's actually happened, is didn't really kill him. It was a fake death thing. And we're going to go and hang out. With, with That's no it. Not. Yeah, they're like Michael Jackson. They're still alive. <laughs> they just fake their own death. Yeah, they're still out there in the woods, and we we we, we hang out at weekends. <laughs> <laughs> Lara doesn't know where I go. Well, that was a weird fuck Mary kill question. <laughs> I've been Simon. I've been Lee, and I'll see you next time for episode eleven of Twenty Questions. Goodbye. Fuck off.